Today's show is sponsored by Okta, the leading independent identity solution. Okta provides best-in-class authorization so your customers and workforce can safely access what they need most right when they need it from anywhere. Organizations around the world trust Okta's identity cloud to sign in, authorize, and manage users, whether it's employees, contractors, partners, or customers. And with Okta's developer tools, you'll never have to build authentication again. Our customizable code blocks are flexible and future-proof with easy-to-use APIs and SDKs, so you can do less coding and more shipping. Okta is dedicated to building the most reliable, neutral identity platform because it means protecting more than a login. Identity is protecting people, their ideas, their work, their brilliance. It's protecting your future with confidence. Learn more at Okta.com. That's O-K-T-A.com. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. We continue to move forward in May of 2021, I guess. Yes, it is 2021. <laughs> Sometimes you forget, time flies. Um, this week's Cloud News of the Week is going to be all about money. We're going to talk about a lot of transactions going on, some earnings announcements. So let's get right to it. Um, all three of the uh, sort of big three cloud providers announced their quarterly earnings. Uh, so uh, Alphabet, Google, uh, Amazon, and AWS, and then Microsoft and Azure all announced their numbers. Um, you know, it was a quarter in which all of them were up quite a bit. Uh, Amazon was up uh, 30% quarter over quarter. Uh, Google was up 46% quarter over quarter. Microsoft uh, with Azure was up 23%. So uh, good numbers for everybody, quite a bit of uh, growth. And obviously, you know, we're still seeing the the impacts of uh, people working from home with the pandemic. So um, I did cover a little bit of that in terms of, you know, these numbers sound very much like uh, healthy growth numbers, especially at, at large uh, baselines of where they are. But, you know, is the cloud growing fast enough? We covered that on the uh, Sunday Perspective show. So if you get a chance to go back and uh, give that a listen. Uh, second sort of bundle of things was uh, Sysdig, who uh, has been in the cloud native space doing security in the cloud native space, raised a round of about $190 million, actually $189 million, um, you know, to help expand their business, uh, both uh, containers, uh, security and monitoring for the uh, cloud native space and for the container space. So congratulations to the Sysdig team. We've had uh, uh, Dan Pop on the show before. We've talked about Sysdig in the past. And then a couple of acquisitions that uh, that hit the wire. Uh, IBM acquired Turbonomic. So we have uh, talked about Turbonomic and their uh, sort of AI-driven monitoring and operational tooling in the past. Uh, so IBM acquires Turbonomic, and Microsoft acquired Kinvolk. Kinvolk, a company who, uh, smaller company, uh, less than 50 people or so, um, was really focused on sort of Linux, Linux kernel, uh, some technology around that. And so they were acquired by the group within Azure that is uh, very focused on containers. So Brendan Burns Group that does uh, AKS and a lot of the, the tooling that uh, they acquired from, from the Deus Group. And, and some folks like that. So good to see uh, a lot of healthy activity, a lot of financial activity going on in the market this week. So I'm uh, going to wrap up Cloud News of the Week. You know, we, we always like to make sure we cover the quarterly announcements. Uh, you know, we'll get Alibaba's, I think, should be out next week, and that should wrap up for the big five or six. Uh, and then, obviously, we'll, we'll look and see what news comes out of KubeCon uh, this week. We'll probably touch on those next week in Cloud News of the Week. So with that, we're going to wrap up. And being as it is uh, 
CloudNativeCon and KubeCon this week. We're going to talk a little more about Kubernetes because uh, a lot of you gave us some great feedback on the show about where does Kubernetes go next. So we're going to dive a little bit into what do we do for stateful applications like databases uh, on Kubernetes right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by CBT Nuggets. We know that Cloudcast listeners are curious about technologies, but how are you really learning to master the technologies needed to be a cloud expert? You know, when Aaron and I got started, we had to buy books, set up labs, find experts, and then hope something didn't crash. CBT Nuggets makes it easy to either get hands-on skills or get certified with the latest cloud technologies. Whether it's AWS, Azure, cloud automation, security, or app dev, CBT Nuggets has you covered. What I really liked about CBT Nuggets is the online instructors are both knowledgeable and they keep it interesting. Their courses have built-in test questions, virtual coaching to help plan your certification path, and I can always jump into a virtual lab to get hands-on at any time. Check it out at cbtnuggets.com slash cloudcast to sign up for a free learner account. This unlocks tons of great training, and you'll be entered into a drawing for a free six-month premium subscription. That's cbtnuggets.com slash cloudcast. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a real-time monitoring platform that unifies metrics, logs, and distributed request traces from your cloud containers and orchestration software. Track the health and performance of your dynamic containers, apps, and services with rich visualizations and machine learning-driven events. Datadog's cluster agent streamlines data collection from large container clusters and allows you to auto-scale Kubernetes workloads based on any metric you're already collecting with Datadog. To start monitoring your container clusters, sign up for a free trial today, and Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. Visit datadog.com slash cloudcast to get started. That's datadog.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. And folks, you know, we did a show uh, about a week or so ago. We were talking about Kubernetes, and, and obviously Kubernetes is a topic that I get into quite a bit uh, in, my, in my regular sort of day-to-day work. We don't cover it as much here uh, on this show as maybe we should. Um, and, uh, but, you know, there was just so much uh, feedback and, and really good positive vibes from about Kubernetes from folks. We thought we'd dive into a topic that I see all the time and I think is always sort of useful, which is, you know, what do you do for applications that aren't stateless that run on Kubernetes? So things like databases and data-centric applications. And so uh, we're very excited today to have Anil Kumar, who is Director of Product Management at Couchbase. And we're going to kind of dig into, you know, how do we run these uh, these applications, databases uh, on Kubernetes? So Anil, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. And it's an honor to be in your show today, Brian. No, oh, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Before we dive into, uh, you know, kind of talking about this topic around Kubernetes, give us a little bit of your background, kind of, you know, what you've done in the past and what brought you to uh, to working around the Kubernetes space and, and especially databases and Kubernetes. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, yeah, I've been with Couchbase for more than eight years, um, leading the product management team for our flagship product, um, Couchbase Server. And also the uh, initiative I have taken for last uh, four, three, four years is the, the, the stuff on the cloud native database. On, especially on Kubernetes. This has been my uh, primary focus at this point in the company. Before I joined Couchbase, I spent um, almost seven years uh, working at Microsoft in the entertainment and Windows Live division. So overall, if I put together, I have like spent uh, 18 plus years building technologies specialized in distributed database, data replication, and scaling infrastructure. Right? And so my journey with the whole containers and Kubernetes and Couchbase has been my 
primary focus, uh, as I said, like been working on the uh, containerizing Couchbase, uh, Kubernetesizing the Couchbase, and building this cloud-native database uh, on the data on the on the Kubernetes. Oh, very cool, very very cool. So yeah, you've lived through not only the the Couchbase technology maturing, but you've seen it. Uh, you've yes. seen sort of the maturity of <laughs> Kubernetes. So excellent, excellent. So you know, I'll get started. Um, you know, Kubernetes sort of started with this focus around you know cloud native apps which you know was sort of shorthand for people saying uh you know stateless applications and i'm curious how you guys have seen the market evolve because there was a there was a point where um you yeah. know the market sort of said hey uh you know hey what what about us don't don't forget about stateful applications what are we supposed to do with our data i'm really curious you know how couchbase kind of yeah. know, evolved with it as well yeah, no, I, I agree with you. In fact, uh, I think it's worth telling a short story about the this journey of stateful services on, on Kubernetes platform, or in general, the containerization of the stateful services itself. Right. So, so if I go back in time, in like in 2016, uh, when we all saw a hockey stick um, hype cycle with the adoption of uh, the container technologies. And we all know it was a great fit or great architecture for stateless applications, um, but there was a significant concern or skepticism about like running the stateful workload, such as a database on containers. There were concerns about the uh, reliability. Containers are lightweight, and so uh, you know when they die, what happens with your data? So there were a lot of those concerns, and in the maturity of the product itself, right? It was about maturity of containers, and so. Um, and you would see it you know, uh, at that time, many well-known authors, like they would have published articles about uh, about uh, talking about why not to run the database on containers. Um, and there was a, the, you'll see this titles, which is like, is containers a good fit for databases? Right, right. And so then there was a slight change in the tone in 2017, right? And so we, the, then we started talking about uh, containerizing the database for the small use cases or dev and test uh, use cases. Like, you know, you, you definitely dev and test you want to uh, containerize your database and for the faster development, faster testing. And so there was that initial, like, you know, hey, this this is a great fit for running the database on containers. And and again, you this this was like the same trend. They'll, you'll see there's many other databases, like, you know, the, the authors started publishing about running the database on a containers for non-production use cases. Right, right. And then fast forward 2019, suddenly the containerized databases were ready for production. And so so it did take a lot of them. There were multiple attempts and multiple things, but like now all, all uh, what was needed was the proper framework or like the platform maturity. And it was it was only possible uh, like when, when we started seeing this framework emerging, which was the uh, Kubernetes operator framework uh, which actually gave us uh, and, and also the stateful state, stateful sets, which was also a, a new uh, type was uh, new type of container which which came into the Kubernetes that actually gave a you know gave this um, made it possible for building a a native integration with Kubernetes and like, containerizing your database to run on the Kubernetes platform. Right? Yeah. And right. And now 2021, and I can tell you for sure the 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 containerization of database. Is, is going mainstream and and so for various reasons and I'll I'll, I'll talk about like the uh, when I talk to the customers and prospects and community people and what I hear from them is is about uh, in, in in the past it was about like hey we want to run the database because uh, we are uh, adopting microservices architecture but now I think it's more and more about standardization standardization of development cloud infrastructure security networking and so on. 
Right, right. Well, and, and I think you you really kind of highlighted a, a lot of sort of the evolution, right? We went from, uh, yep. you know, we had to yep. create the idea of stateful sets that was, you know, there, there was a lot of back and forth about like, hey, should that even come into Kubernetes? And then we've gone right. through this evolution of, you know, how do we get uh, you know, storage to become simpler to deploy. So, you know, we had to go through container storage interface. We had to, you know, the idea of sort of dynamic PVs and storage classes. And so it, it's been that. And then, and then what's really been interesting to me is I feel like there's, there's kind of this chicken and egg between there'll be some (laughs) early customers, early companies who say, you know, we're going to try this out. Um, and 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 to a certain extent, and, and I know this from having been on the vendor side of the world, you, you're sort of like you're sort of like, are you sure you want to do that? Like I'm not, you know. Like, and, then, and then at some yeah, point they yeah. go, hey, it really works. And then you know you you get yeah. the vendors who go, oh no no, we knew it was really going to work. And and here's three more other things that we did to make it better. So yeah, it's it's been. But you're right yeah. that um, that that operator yeah. framework has been sort of that next yeah. level of taking it, you know, to making it interesting. exactly. Yeah, and I mean to uh, to validate that's uh, exactly what you said is that's kind of typically what happened for us, which was the, there were a handful of initial customers who who um, like they wanted to con- uh, run the Couchbase, a distributed database, a NoSQL distributed database on containers, and um, and there and again initially their goal was like. Uh, sim- they wanted to simplify their platform, run both stateless and stateful on the same platform. But uh, no, again, that was a push we needed, right? Yeah. So there was, uh, and in 2017, I do remember like uh, we partnered with one of our customers, in this case, Amadeus, and uh, Red Hat was our strategic partners uh, at the time and we Couchbase. We three got together and obviously Amadeus gave us the requirement and Red Hat and Couchbase worked together to build this uh, proof of concept in some sense, like it was about, hey, uh, let's explore the idea of running the Couchbase on the OpenShift. And so we we showcased this in Red Hat Summit in 2017. Uh, it was, it went really well. In fact, like it was a, you know, the the session was, uh, you know, full, full session. People were like uh, talking about like how uh, they're interested in to know how you can run a database on, on containers on the OpenShift. And so from there on, our journey of building this product and shipping it to the the to the customers uh, happens. Yeah, it's it, it is really yeah. sort of interesting because, I mean, obviously the the things that people ask questions about aren't unique uh, to to Kubernetes. They want to know what happens if something fails. Uh, what happens to my data? Uh, you know, so I mean, they're common things like how do I how do I replicate them? Um, yeah. But then once they once they've sort of gotten past those those challenges, then they start asking the questions of. Well, yeah. what can Kubernetes do that's you know above and beyond? Like, how do I use the scaling that's built into there? How do I be more deterministic exactly. yep. and stuff? And yeah, that's that's always an interesting yep. uh, transition. I I'm curious. You know, you've yep. you've lived with the Couchbase product. It's I feel like the the NoSQL yep. databases um, feel like maybe a more natural fit to Kubernetes because you. Uh, you know, failure is is kind of part of the architecture, right? The, the NoSQL piece of it, eventual consistency, yeah. is, is right. a little more familiar. Like, what are some of the things that, that the way that you think about the the the, the Couchbase platform, sort of NoSQL on Kubernetes? Where do you see the the sort of synergies, if you will? Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think um, it's it's a it's in in my in my uh, in my opinion, it's like perfect marriage in some sense, like it marries really, really well. So as you said, it's like, it's a NoSQL database. It's a distributed architecture, right? So we scale out. Mm-hmm. So uh, like, you know, if we need more capacity, we add more, uh, you, know, uh, you know, horizontally scale the, the cluster. So one of the unique things we have done in Couchbase um, to like, you know, add on to the, like, the same architecture's perspective was like we have 
something called multi-dimensional scaling. Mm. And we uh, we break, so we basically break our workloads, like the database workload into multiple services. And so it's like bringing microservices in database, right? Okay. So, um, right, so we have uh, a data service for all the uh, all the uh, current operations, like you now create, update, delete, documents kind of operations. And then we have a query service, which handles all your, um, the uh, SQL-like queries, which you're executing. And so all this, the SQL uh, execution goes to the query service. And then there's an index serv- indexing service, which is basically uh, you know, making your queries performant. And then we added on that same platform, we have full text search eventing, which is for running the functions. Uh, and then there is an analytic service. So each of these uh, works as a services with, uh, in our platform. And so just imagine when I put this on the, on the infrastructure, when I'm deploying it, each of those get deployed on the containers. They, they in Kubernetes words, like they get uh, deployed as a parts. And I can, and each, each part can have a different uh, specification. I can have more memory for my data, uh, data service. I can have more CPU for my index and uh, the query service. So you can basically have a heterogeneous uh, like, uh, no, uh, cluster and you can scale them independently without impacting each other, right? So, and that that along with the the you know, ability to like basically uh, put it, I mean, deploy on the containers and scale um, like you know, uh, uh, horizontally, it makes it much much better solution uh, in in my opinion. Yeah, I would I would think it it you know it's like you said when you start when you're able to sort of break up kind of the functionality, yeah. some of them need scale, some of them need performance, and and given the right. fact that. Kubernetes is is deterministic. I would I feel like it would almost uh, enable your DBAs or even your application teams to go. Oh, I don't have to think about some of that automation. I don't have to think about some of those things. It's just it's just kind of there for them, which seems to be really would be you know, very beneficial to yep. them. Yeah. Absolutely, exactly, right. And and that's that's kind of how we got started. And the initial, as I said, the Amadeus when they gave us requirement, it was about hey, we want the uh, provisioning to be fully automated. Uh, it should be a single click. Everything should be, uh, uh, you know, the Couchbase cluster should be deploy, uh, should be con- deployed, configured with the best practices guidelines, and uh, this whole whole provisioning should be fully automated. And so that was the number one goal, right? And then number two was like, hey, we want the uh, self healing to be a fully automated. And so then started building on those advanced capabilities, which is, hey, we want the automate upgrade to be fully automated. We want the uh, the you know, the RBAC security for the database to be fully automated. And so we started like the journey of, uh, you know, operationalizing all the database activities. And so at this point, I would say that we are like 90 to 95 percent of all the operations we can run on a database is fully autonom- automated. Uh, with the Couchbase autonomous operator for Kubernetes. Interesting. I, one of the things uh, that I hear quite a bit as to why people are <clears throat> are interested in Kubernetes is that at some point they say, well, um, you know, inherently it, it has some interesting characteristics about you know how I run applications, but it also right. potentially lets me run things consistently in multiple places. So you know maybe I do some stuff on yeah. prem or I do it in a cloud. Do you see that yeah. as people wanting to extend that up to the database as well? They they just want the underlying infrastructure to more or less look the same. Yeah, and this is the core requirement. Actually, um, um, every time I get on the call with customers, and again, I'm, I'm, I can't name some of the customers, but I can tell you, like um, most of these customers, uh, when I get on the call, this is one of the the requirement for them, especially for the financial customers. And I have I literally like met and talked to a lot of these customers. 
they they most they prefer this um, ability to port uh, like build once and run anywhere, right? So it's like you no, know, uh, they don't they don't their goal is like hey, we have a private cloud, we we, we run we run uh, Red Hat OpenShift on our on-prem. And we want to run the Red Hat OpenShift on the IBM cloud, for example. And mm. they want to be able to like uh, de- um, build once and be able to deploy, and even in some cases like have a uh, have a Couchbase cluster on the on-prem, have a Couchbase cluster on the IBM cloud, and be able to replicate the data and have an active, active, like literally active, active setup between these two. It's 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 like, most of the time it comes up. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the kind of the next thing that came to mind is I was wondering. You know, are you seeing use cases where people say, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll hear about hybrid and multi-cloud and it's, they're sort of their own islands, you know, but they, they'll use more than one. Do you see some yeah. use cases where people want to span them across clouds or is it, is the, some of the data gravity stuff make that too difficult to do? Yeah, so typically, so what we um, what we have seen in the and, and again, this is also one of the best practices guideline from from Couchbase is mm-hmm. um, we we have a different solutions for for uh, many many of those use cases like for high availability for disaster recovery. So typically, what we have seen what we tell customers is if you're um, if you're deploying a Couchbase cluster and we in fact recommend them to uh, deploy across multiple availability zones like okay. if you're deploying on the cloud sure but if you're deploying it on the on prem deploy it across multiple racks so yeah. uh, because it gives you much more like uh, you know, uh, protection from the failures right. and so uh, b- between the different regions let's say if i have a east region and then sorry east um, uh, like uh, uh, data center and then west coast uh, data centers in that case we typically advise them to have a, a cross data center replication. So it's the two different clusters connected using this cross data center replication. And then you can still have active active. We can read and write the data on both the sites. We have a uh, different mechanisms to uh, handle the conflicts. Like we have conflict resolution technologies, but the idea is like in that, in this region case, we typically don't advise them to stretch the Couchbase cluster, have a separate Couchbase cluster and then connect them using this replication technology. Gotcha. Yeah. And that, and that makes sense. I, that's, that's typically yeah. what we hear as much It you know, sort of maintains a better sort of blast radius, if you will, or failure. To exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, you know, KubeCon yeah. is, you know, going on and go on for a week or so. And there's obviously, there's yeah. a lot of projects beyond Kubernetes that are happening in the CNCF. What are some of the other areas that are sort yeah. of adjacent to the database that you're seeing people, you know, as they're building new applications, uh, technologies yeah. that they're like, oh, I want to combine this and Couchbase or that, these couple of things are going to yeah. help my application developers. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, this is kind of a, like, uh, I, I'll kind of the way I'll tell it is like the, when I told you that my focus in the company has been cloud native database. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the typically I get this question is like, uh, what is cloud native database, right? So, and obviously you'll say a very good definition on the CNCF and it's all about the extensibility and scalability and all of that. So, so from the same, deriving the same uh, definition for Couchbase, so in 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 our terminology, like the cloud native, the why we call ourselves a cloud native database is like we have built a stack of all these cloud native technologies. Mm-hmm. Starting with Kubernetes, we picked obviously the Kubernetes as our orchestration technologies uh, technology, and then we picked. Um, so when we uh, then we added storage, so we picked the like you know the uh, storage classes, the Kubernetes storage classes. Like we have support for Ceph, Cluster FS. 
uh, each managed Kubernetes services, uh, their uh, storage classes, even port um, port works. So we we uh, we integrated with all those storage classes. Mm-hmm. Then uh, when we looked at uh, the observability as one big area where uh, how how does the customer want their observability solution, right? So they want to look at full stack automation or full stack observability. And so, uh, what, so then we looked, started looking at what are the de facto standards in the in terms of observability for monitoring. It was Prometheus for logging. It is FluentD. So what we have done is we have picked all those uh, de facto standards in those in the CNCF and started building those in the in Couchbase. So we have a monitoring uh, you know, solution for Prometheus. We have FluentD for centralized logging. We have uh, STO for networking. <laughs> So, so if I show you my, like, you know, if we go to a couchbase.com and uh, cloud native page, you'll see there's like a stack of all these cloud native technologies we have built in the product. Okay. Yeah. And, and that makes sense. That, that's, I mean, number one, it, it allows you to, to give people sort of what's, what's newest innovation and so forth. But, but I, I think even more so, uh, they're not having to mix kind of what feels yeah. like legacy technology with stuff that's container specific and, and so forth. That makes, makes a ton of sense. Um, well, let me ask yeah. you one, let me ask you one last question. Cause I, I, sure. the other, the yeah. other, the other topic that always comes up, we, you know, you talked a little bit about, do I run stuff on cluster versus, versus off cluster? Um, I, I see this other sort of thing that confuses people sometimes, which is, you know, do I run things on Kubernetes? Do I, do I run them off Kubernetes? So, um, and, and off starts to get into these interesting kind of offers. Like, do I consume a database as a service? Um, do the, are those databases as services, quote unquote, serverless, meaning I don't have to do a lot of the ops. Like how does Couchbase start to think about these other ways that people want to consume technology? And, and, you know, it's a trade-off between like, is it, is it a standalone thing? Is it a managed thing? Like, how do you tend to think about that? And like, where do you, where do you see your customers asking uh, more, more than other places? Sure. So, so typically, Brian, what I've seen is like customers. Um, there, in there, are two two different aspects. One is within the same platform. Let's say if I'm deploying my microservices, uh, what are the design patterns for uh, for my microservices to uh, connect to the database? Right. So there, are, there's one which is like I have all this uh, microservices talking to a centralized centralized database. So we have one single Couchbase cluster talking to all these microservices. There are some really pros and cons in this case. The pros is obviously there's a consistent a consistent data across all the all the microservices, and there's like and also it is uh, and there's no data data sprawl, so it's like all consistent data, and it's easy to maintain, easy to upgrade, and all of that. But then um, there's also another design pattern where the uh, for performance reasons or for for each microservices they want to have a data service which is a co-located with the microservice. So for performance reason, for data governance and data uh, uh, sovereignty reasons. So they in this case like you you have a Couchbase cluster like a mini Couchbase cluster like you know it'd be um, uh, with the only three or four data service running. You would uh, that would be running much closer to the data microservices. So this is one aspect of it, which is about like how uh, the microservices are uh, like uh, w- w- the data service work with microservices. Then there is the second part, which is like um, about the security and compliances itself. Like, um, should I be running my applications in the same platform as my database? And so, although there is a namespace, and there is also uh, you can put the, the your network policies and security policies on on top of this namespaces, but still there are customers who wants to basically separate out the application from the database. So they run all their applications on a different 
platform in our different OpenShift cluster or Kubernetes cluster. Yeah. And then there is a, a, a database cluster, uh, again, that's separated out where all the other applications uh, connect to the centralized database. And so we have seen all of this approach. And as I said, like there are pros and cons, and it's really the, the, the architects uh, looking into the, the project of like how they want the for their use cases, for their needs, um, how they want to uh, like deploy and run their uh, the data service, right? So uh, there are challenges with, if you're running applications on a different OpenShift cluster or Kubernetes cluster, um, there are solutions there for networking, which is like external DNS and forward DNS, but then obviously it gets a little bit more complicated versus if you're running everything in the same Kubernetes cluster, for example. Right, right. Yeah, no, and and, and I really was, was curious. I, I see similar types of things in the Kubernetes world where um, there are, you know, it, at one point it's the same technology, but it's do yeah. I want it managed? Yep. How much do I want to customize it? Where does location yep. matter? And so, yeah, I was curious if that extended to the database, and it, it absolutely sounds like the, uh, the good it news. Is, yeah. yeah, I mean, the good yeah. news is like, you can you can get what you want where you want it, but figuring out what yep. it is, is is always the choice point. So exactly, that's very true. Yep. Well, yep. listen, uh, I'm going to wrap up because yeah. I want to be conscious of time. Um, if people want to uh, engage either with you or or with your team working on cloud native stuff, what are some of the best ways to do that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So they, I would definitely uh, encourage them to connect with me. And so it's uh, it's very easy to remember. It's anil at couchbase.com. Yeah. And there is also an uh, internal, uh, there's also an alias, uh, which is Kubernetes at couchbase.com. So uh, or Docker at couchbase.com. So there are multiple uh, IDs where you can reach out. And also another best place to get started is like uh, there is forums.couchbase.com. If you uh, get started with trying out Couchbase on Kubernetes or OpenShift, uh, you if uh, and if you have any questions, uh, post your questions on the uh, the forums, and you no, know, our team is right behind there to help out uh, help out with uh, any of those questions. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, uh, you know especially with with uh, some of the cloud native events going on these days, people want to try stuff, they want to get some feedback. So that's that's awesome. Listen, yeah, uh, Neil, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, like I said, this was a a topic that was sort of a, a follow-up just because, again, uh, we're seeing so much demand or so much interest around Kubernetes, so it's uh, it's great to follow up with the data side of things. Um, folks, with that, uh, I want to thank uh, Anil for his time today. I want to uh, thank everybody, as always, for, for listening to the show, for telling a friend, for helping us grow the community. And with that, I'm going to wrap up, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 